thing is, Anthony, we have been stuck in avoidance for a year and a half. Like, don't do this. Don't do this. Be afraid of this. We're worried about this. We're worried about this. And that is stressful and exhausting. And I'm just trying to encourage people to identify things that give them passion and joy and energy and say, this is how I'm going to set up my day and my time to try to protect those precious things. Because when your values are stepped on or when you miss out on the reward that you like, I love being with students. We haven't been able to do that. When I miss out on that reward, that's when we start talking about burnout and feeling overwhelmed and frustrated. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I'm is it Tuesday already? It is. It feels like it's been a whole week, though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's the way my life set up. I, I really, I never know what day it is. Today, I literally was taking my medicine and I'm looking at the thing. I'm like, oh, what day? I think, it's, I think it's Monday. No, it's not Monday. It's Thursday. It's Thursday. Nope. Um, it's Tuesday. Got it. But you know, Anthony, it's always better when you think it's earlier in the week than it actually is. Like when you're like, it's Tuesday. Oh no, it's Thursday. I'm almost done. Versus the other way is brutal. Yeah, but also if you're, you don't know what day it is, it means you're busy. So that's a good thing. Yeah, that is very true. Thank you guys for joining us. I'm Rachel Phillips Buck. I have Mr. Anthony Melchiori with me today, who has been super busy. You've got so much stuff going on. You I'm know, glad for say, you. I try to stay below the, the, the radar. I try to. Sometimes I can't. Not, yeah, not since last time you and I talked, you were not below the radar. So we have a couple of things I want to talk about with you. First of all, you guys, thank you for joining us. If you want to see our historical conversations and listen to what we've been talking about over the last couple of months or years, please join us on TapLink. Um, taplink.cc slash Ferris resources. You can see everything that we've done before. I also wanted to say, Anthony, I don't know if you saw last week was lighthouse week. So Ferris is the very first lighthouse. That's what we were named after. And we gave awards last week. So the first one was to Brian Hayes, who works in technology at Emanuel College. Um, his colleague said the implementation of Ferris and all the subsequent tweaks, expansions, and improvements we've made would not have been possible without Brian's support and technical expertise, quick responses, and ability to troubleshoot any issues we bring his way. So congratulations, Brian. That's awesome. Then we have um, Michael Burns at the University of Mary Harden Baylor, who won the Outstanding Student Success Professional. He's the Dean of Students. And he worked this time last year to develop a COVID workflow using our technology. And then he taught it to all of our partner schools. Oh, so wow. they had this like head start because he was like, here's everything that you have to do to manage your COVID protocol. So he's a great part of our community. He did an awesome job. Um, and then lastly, we, um, the institution of the years, Dominican University, which is outside of Chicago, they have just been working super hard um, over the pandemic to take care of their students. And um, Dr. Barrington Price, who's the VP of Student Success and Engagement said, this is such a validating award. I've been a longtime fan of Ferris and the work you do to support our work as practitioners to walk alongside students. We are humbled by this honor and we will display this award with pride. So lots of people doing really good work. Doesn't it make you feel good when you um, tell people they're doing a good job and they're genuinely happy? Yes. It's better than that. 
In fact, I think that's going to be starting in the fall. I think that's going to be one of my, um, what do they call that? Like resolution mm -hmm. is when people are doing a good job. I'm just going to start telling them all the time. You never tell me I'm doing a good job. Um, I never got like winner of the co-host of the year award. Or <laughs> I'll make you an award. No, I was don't make you an award. <laughs> and I'll make you an award. You know, I would use award enough. <laughs> okay, so listen. Two weeks ago, yes. you were in or last week you were in Dallas, which, and you were the um, keynote speaker at Ahoa. Yes. Five thousand people. Yeah, you could see nobody showed up. No, that was no that's rehearsal. How did it go? You know what? I was there to announce numbers. And the Ahoa community, which is the Asian American hotel organization, um, is made up of uh, Indian owners, owners from the country of India. And we okay. spent two years working on numbers to see how this community impacts the hotel industry. What percentage of AHOA members do you think own hotels in America? It's not necessary to be part of the organization to own a hotel. No, you have to be part, but you're usually in the Indian community when you're part of it. Oh. So what part of the Indian community, which is basically if you're in the Indian community, you're part of AHOA. Like 20%. 60. Really? What part uh, in Texas uh, hotels in Texas are owned by the Indian community? Uh, 15. 98%. You are kidding me. Yeah. So I was there to show them what they've done and accomplished in our industry. Listen, the president of Hilton doesn't come out and the president of these companies don't come out unless it's important. And if the whole community decide not to be in the hotel business anymore, we wouldn't have a hotel business and the brands would go out of business. So the impact is in the you know, hundreds of billions of dollars, um, trillions of dollars, potentially wow. uh, the tax revenue. It's just insane how much this community drives. And I was very blessed to be, I've done their keynote before. I was very blessed to have a special hand in announcing these numbers and, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, 6,000 people is not easy. And um, I brought a lot of energy, which um, no it, doubt. it was easy to bring the energy because the numbers inspired me. That is I went off script and I went for three or four minutes about like everybody in the community is always they're worried about the next one, the next one, the next one. Let's build. Let's build. We're worried. We're worried. We want to get bigger. I was like, everybody's got to stop and remember what it was like that first motel when you lived with your children. And it was huh. and I, I have a new perspective because I, you know, traveled around this country for 10 years on Hotel Impossible. Yeah. And with the Indian community a lot. And um, I saw I saw the pain. It was nice. So that's yeah. what I was doing. Amazing. Well, I learned something. I had no idea that it was that big of the market. Um, also, you're, I don't know if you know, but you're kind of a big deal. Yeah, I knew that was happening. I knew this would be the picture today, the hat. <laughs> I knew the hat was coming. And that was my, actually, my camera guy who works with me on other projects. I told him because we we're having a meeting about a new show. And I said, why don't you come and take pictures on set? And he did. And uh, he, apparently he got this picture. <laughs> it's awesome. I love it. Well, I liked, so for those of you who don't know, Anthony was on the Today Show and he was talking about places to travel. Lake Winnipesaukee, which you know why I know about Lake Winnipesaukee? What about Bob? Yeah, I didn't want to mention because Gone Golden Pond, I thought it was a better- uh, movie, I agree with you. Like, I agree. To talk about Winnipesaukee. But that is the place that would be super fun to go. And then you talked also about the Rockaway, which I know you love. And so I told and you- I guess what happened? I got my hand slapped. 
By who? Because when you go on, they know what you're going to talk about. They approve everything you're going to talk about. They do graphs on what you're going to talk about. And then all of a sudden, I went off on a tangent and talked about the Rockwell Hotel. As soon as I got off camera, a young, uh, I don't know, young associate comes over and goes, uh, Mr. Mulcahy, do you have any affiliation with the Rockaway Hotel? I said, outside of being a guest, no. Any financial implications? With No, I said, absolutely not. I said, I actually signed the document where anything I say, I will not be affiliated with any person that I talk about or anything I talk about or whatever. So then I get a call from my agent, no, my publicist and said, hey, Anthony, just so you know, uh, why'd you go off script? And I told him, said, All right, no problem. <laughs> wait, then it's not over. Then I get a senior producer to call me. And said, Anthony, do you have any financial tie to the Rockwell Hotel? I said, zero. Oh, my gosh. That's the third time I'm telling you. No, fourth time, because I signed something saying I don't know. But, yeah, so, but, but you know what? It was worth it. It was worth it. Because they were asking about off-the-grid destinations. So, yeah. if you're in New York City, you're in Manhattan, you take the ferry for $2.50, you get an hour ferry ride, you go over the Rivers Island, you see the Statue of Liberty, you get to Rockaway, you go to the hotel, you go to the beach, you get back on the ferry, you go home. Yeah. I think it's great. Also, I am surprised that you don't already have this, but I would like to work on some legal language for you that says I will go off script. So don't boss me. <laughs> don't you think? I, I, you know what? I, 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 <laughs> I, on those kind of shows, you have to really be, you have to behave yourself. I know. I nine, know. Not, I've been invited back nine times, eight, eight or nine times. And you're not invited back unless if you don't. Time. Yeah. Like, we okay. don't pitch them. like I didn't pitch them this. They called us. So yeah. You're supposed to behave. <laughs> All right. I guess I'll let that go then. Um, okay. I have one more fun. Oh, here's your, here's your poker night with what your daughter. What are you talking me for? <laughs> Anthony, everybody sees these pictures. You post them for all of your people to see. So, this so, so the, the number one player who has the most public experience is me. And the least experienced person is that young lady in the gray hoodie that does know nothing about poker. Yeah. And um, guess who was out first? Me. Guess who won the poker tournament? She did. She did? <laughs> How awesome. That's and it was, and we have a video they did a TikTok. It was spectacular how she won the last hand. <laughs> she should have lost the last hand. It was like a 1% chance she would win. And she got the ace and she won. And the whole the whole yard exploded. <laughs> it, was a, it was a really nice, healthy, uh, you know, entertainment. It was That's fun. That's good. That's good. Well, I saw that and I knew you guys had a good time. Okay. I promised you last time we were together that I, I told you that I wasn't sure my daughter knew what I did for no, a living. So I no. asked her. So I have the video of her. The spoiler alert is she does know what I do. Right. So here okay. is her response to my asking her this these questions. Yeah. Okay, Lillian, I have some questions for you. Okay. First of all, what company do I work for? Ferris Resources. Okay. And do you know my position? Vice President. Okay. Very good. And can you explain what I do? You build software to help schools track something about attendance and students that need help. Okay. And why is that important work? Because students, it helps students feel safe at school because sometimes they are having trouble in classes and they're not doing great and they need somebody to help them. Okay. Anything else you'd like to say about my job? Nope. <laughs> that was good. I was so happy. So thank you for the encouragement to ask her that. Cause I was really, I told Matt, like, that's a pretty good description of what, what I do. So she knew.
I'm well, happy. What's interesting about that, right? As a as a student of human behavior, I try to be anyway. Yeah. Go back and look at that video when you have a second. When you're about to ask the questions, look at her eyes. It's <laughs> like a bear about to eat steak. She likes questions and she's curious. She so does. She's like this. Yeah, you know. <laughs> she's gonna ask me something. No, but that is look, her eyes. Like we're like. Okay. <laughs> Let me shine, mom. Let me shine. <laughs> Okay, time for 19 questions. Oh, okay. I All right. Surprised. Okay. <laughs> okay. These are would you rather. Would you rather nobody remember who you are at your 20-year class reunion or have everybody comment on how old you look? I don't care if anybody remembers me. Okay. Would you rather be stranded in the jungle or the desert? The desert. Would you rather everyone you love forget your birthday or everyone you love sing happy birthday to you for 24 hours straight? Forget my birthday. <laughs> I won't let anybody sing me happy birthday in the restaurant. It's like I get like I get like angry. Yeah, I don't. I'm with you. Um, would you rather be invisible or be able to fly? Fly. Would you rather spend every weekend indoors or spend every weekend outdoors? Outdoors. Would you rather this is a hard one. Would you rather always have wet socks? or a small rock in your shoe? Red socks. Oh, both of them, I can't handle. Okay, would you rather master every musical instrument or every sport? Every sport. Would you rather be punished for a crime you didn't commit or have someone else take credit for one of your major accomplishments? Someone else take credit for one of my major accomplishments. Would you rather be criticized or ignored? Ignored. Would you rather have aliens be real and covered up by the government or have no extraterrestrial life at all in the universe? Have none. Would no, you actually, that's not true. I want, I want some ETs. No, that's not true. The first okay. One. Would you rather have a permanent unibrow or no eyebrows? No eyebrows. <laughs> Would you rather wear clothes that are always too big or a couple sizes too small? Too big. Would you rather wear only neon orange or only neon green for the rest of the year? Green. Would you rather find $1,000 floating in a public toilet or $10 in your pocket? $1,000 in the public toilet. I'll, I'll clean that stuff. <laughs> okay. Would you rather have an annoying song stuck in your head or always have an itch you can't reach? Oh, annoying song stuck in my head. Yeah, me too. Would you rather be able to read minds or predict the future? predict the future okay three more would you rather have one wish granted today or 10 wishes granted in 20 years today would you rather start a colony on another planet or be the leader of a country on earth mm, that's a good one um leader of a country on earth okay and last this is your worst nightmare would you rather show up at a job interview with stained pants or pit stains <laughs> you're, you're, oh, wow. you. you're right stained, stained pants yeah you might be able to hide that okay now i have a question for you all right are you self-medicated when you make up these questions <laughs> no <laughs> although listen that is the end like i've googled i've done all the searches so i don't i really don't know what i'm gonna uh, ask rachel to come up with some other i should i should we should crowdsource that a little bit 
Okay. So I want to talk about, we're talking about rediscover your passion today, which I'm very excited about just to give timeline and context. You guys know we're in August, your athletes are likely already back on campus. You're thinking about orientation, like the fall is coming. And so I want to orient us for the fall to be thinking about why we got into this work and the things that we're passionate about. And Anthony, I know you have a lot of things to say about that. Um, so I'm going to do state of the union, and then I'm going to jump into how to rediscover our passion and this idea of avoidance versus approach. So I just have a couple of state of the union things for you guys. Um, part of the infrastructure um, package that they are considering in the Senate is a provision that would move the temporary emergency broadband benefit, which gives broadband um, to all students who are eligible for Pell that would then become a permanent thing. So as we talked about last time, you know, broadband and internet is a human right. This would work towards making sure everybody um, has access to that. What I really appreciate about it is, you know, we we looked and 57% of college students had trouble accessing high-speed internet over the last year and a half. So it's obviously a really big problem, but they're approaching this bill in terms of giving students more flexibility so that you could take online courses at home. You could do it during, during the summer. Obviously broadband something that we've got to figure out how to get to people. Related, um, a lot of schools are using their COVID money for mental health concerns. So they're hiring more and more counselors. Um, you have a lot of students 18 to 29 who have really felt taxed and overwhelmed with depression. There's a school that created a committee that's called the Resocialization and Reacculturation Committee, which I really like, which is like, how do we bring students back when they've been alienated and by themselves? How can we think about that? But listen, Anthony, this school who created this committee, there's 43 people on the committee. I don't know how you get anything done with 43 people on a committee. The answer is you don't. You don't. So definitely start a committee, definitely talk about students coming back. Please do not have 43 people well, on what it. What you do is you get the president to say, you, 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 and you, right. get this, 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 and this done, and um, I'm going to be involved as well. That's how you get that done. You have yeah. 43 people. Listen, maybe they have 43 highly efficient people. If there I mean, 43 Rachels, then maybe. Listen, that would be a book or a movie I would read. If you could get 43 people in a room and they could get something done, I mean, we should study that. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. I've actually, so as I get older, um, <laughs> the, the, the fewest people you work with, the better because, yeah. Yeah. you know, I argue with myself. So if there's another person in the room, I'm definitely going to argue with them. That person. Definitely going to have trouble. Okay. I have two more things for you. Moody's Investor Service just changed the way that they're going to evaluate higher education institutions. So they're changing their methodology. This is the sentence in the press release. It will replace spendable cash and investments to operating expenses with total cash and investments to operating expense and replace spendable cash and investments to total debt and total cash investments to total adjusted debt. I have no idea what any of that means. It's a terrible sentence. I did some more. If you give me seven minutes, I can maybe. Uh... That's what Matt and I did. We like wrote a flow chart. So I did a little more digging. And once I found out that when this methodology is proposed, is, is adopted, fewer than 5% of the ratings based on the methodology is going to change. So it's not going to affect almost anybody. So I'm not going to try to explain to you what they're doing. Okay. <laughs> That's what I told Matt. I'm like, that is my. 
that is my summary of that. It's probably not going to affect you. You don't have to worry. Okay, last one. Five seconds. We'll never get back, Rachel. <laughs> no, <laughs> true. The last one I'm just going to mention to you, and Rachel is going to chat it to you, and that is how to hold a better class discussion. This is coming out of the Chronicle. It is a great article on how to control your class, how to talk about um, why we have discussions, how to keep people who are kind of overrunning the discussion in check, and then also inviting new students in to have a discussion. A lot of times in the syllabus, this is like a grade that you offer your discussion. So this article is like very specific. Here are things that you can do. So as you guys are thinking about your fall classes, how to hold a better class discussion is an awesome article that I would really. And I'd imagine it's very, very difficult nowadays to hold, you know, even what seems to be non-controversial -con uh, discussions seem to be controversial. So I Absolutely. imagine as a professor, it is very difficult to um, to get everybody on the same, not even on the same, just listen to each other yeah. without chatting over each other or without, you know, being um, offended. Yeah, so one of the sections of that article is how to have those difficult conversations. When is it appropriate? What do we think about, you know, um, freedom of thought and how we have to hold that space in our classroom. So it's a great article. I would recommend that you guys read it. Okay, so I now want to talk about the fall semester. We've It's coming. I'm very excited for it. Um, I said last week, a lot of people are feeling overwhelmed because we had all these plans and then the variant came and so now things are changing. But Anthony, I wanted to talk to you about this study I read um, it is about these people who were given a maze. So there's a little mouse. Can you show the picture, Matt? There's like a little mouse in the maze and either people were completing this maze to try to get the mouse to the cheese or they had a piece of paper that didn't have the cheese on it. It just had the owl watching over the mouse. So they were trying to complete this maze to like save the mouse, mm -hmm. okay? And the what it's testing is this difference between avoidant and approach. So when you're trying to accomplish a thing, when you're trying to get the mouse what it wants, which is cheese, you're in an approach frame of mind. And when you're trying to keep the mouse from the owl eating it, you're in an avoidant, like you're just trying to get away, right? So people who had the maze with the cheese, where they were trying to accomplish things, first of all, they did the mazes more quickly. And then after that, they tested their creativity and they scored 50% higher on creativity than the people who were trying to avoid the owl. Well, if I can stroke my ego, as soon as you put it up, I found it in about four seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I did. You're creative. Yeah, exactly. So here's what I think is so interesting about this. I wanted to talk to you about it because I was trying to think of you as an avoidant person, mm -hmm. as a person who's like, I'm not, I'm just really all I'm trying to do with my life is like avoid the pitfalls and not make mistakes. And that is not you at all. No. You are constantly thinking about what, what are we going to accomplish? Like, what's the next thing? What's the goal? Right. And pushing boundaries. Like I just did on the today show. Yeah. <laughs> well, why is that Anthony? You know what? You use the word called passion, which I love. Passion changes everything. It's on my business card right here. Passion changes everything, right? It's right there. It's my yeah. business card. Excuse my nails. And um, 
I actually starting to change my thinking based on the conversation I had today um, in the podcast. A gentleman who started a, comp a company with his father and whatever. I don't know if you heard the podcast, but uh, he said the word energy. And I think pas passion changes everything. And I think passion is an important word. But I have an energy. And I think energy is important. Going into the fall semester, you can have passion about what you do. But people draw on your energy and people suck your energy. So it is up to you to rebuild that energy all the time. So I never ate with my team when I ran hotels. I never stayed in the building at my desk and closed the door. I left the building for an hour. Now, I never realized that was so when I came back, my energy was replenished. I don't so much sleep a lot, but I rest a lot. Um, but right before here, I had two other conference calls and I took a 45 minute break and I did nothing. I actually escaped. And so to me, energy is everything. Yeah. I've dealt with two complicated issues over the uh, last two weeks, um, two in business and two just as showing up. Right. So I have to get 6,000 people excited about this report. That's all numbers at eight o'clock in the morning. So I thought long and hard for about 12 hours of my approach of how to get myself energized. Not so much what I'm going to say, not so much about being passionate about the matter, but making sure that I felt like I was like just born, right? Yeah. Yesterday on the Today Show, um, there was a new co-host that, that was nervous. She, uh, my publicist said, hey, you got fun, Anthony, you got fun. That made me nervous because when she <laughs> said it, she was like, you better. Have fun, right? Right. So, uh, so I was like, how do I get my energy ready to have fun? So it was about replenishing myself, whether it be exercise, whether it be rest, whether it be food, whether it be, you know, getting people out of my life for that moment, whatever it yeah. is. So to me, it's about the energy you bring back in the fall. Not about the passion, not even about your preparation, your energy. Are you ready? Did you go on a good vacation? Did you rest? Are you well fed? Are you sleeping? Are you exercising? Do you feel good about yourself? Are your bills paid? Are, your, are, are those things taken care of? When you come into that classroom and everybody on this call understands that more than I do, every student's watching you. And your energy, and I think people forget about that. So I've been complimented in the last couple of weeks about my energy levels and how I just kind of keep everybody going. And um, I always said, yeah, 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 whatever. And I never really thought about it until... I, my podcast today and I was just like wow I like what he said how he said it about his own company and so to me passion is important but energy may be more important yeah what you said is really interesting in fact I'm reading this book it's called burnout it's um uh, I got that book you do yep. mm -hmm. I love it I yeah. so I'm not I'm just a little bit way through right now but here's what they're saying that I think is really related to what you're saying which is we have stress that, you know, back in the day, a long time ago, it was like a lion is chasing us. And so we feel stressed. So our body responds with like, Hey, we're going to fight or flight. So you're going to, all your energy is going to go towards saving you. Right. But then today we have stress because we have to have meetings with obnoxious people, or we feel overwhelmed, or there's something we can't do anything about. And we have all of that stress, but we don't have any, any completion of that stress cycle because it's just, you know, it just builds up and builds up and builds up. And so what you're saying about completing that cycle by exercising, by doing something that you love, 
by releasing all of that and saying, I'm not going to walk around with this in my body because I'm going to use the energy for positive things instead of just containing all of the stress inside of me. I think we all could be well served to take that advice. But, but I think, and I, I think how it works for me, right? Um, in this part of my life in the last 20 years, um, like I had two very difficult things I had to deal with business-wise last couple of weeks. I never let my energy go down. I, I was stressed. I wouldn't lie. I wasn't stressed. But like I was always in a good mood. I was always making people around me, hey, man, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. And I did things and outsmarted someone to get everything that we needed to do to walk away. But we were whole when we walked away. Yeah. And it was just my business ability to get that done. But whether I got it done or didn't get it done, I wasn't going to let him take my energy or that company take my energy. Um, but I think the secret is, and, I, and you can only do it when you have some wins and you, you're building your own identity and your own confidence is, you got to be able to say not only no, but hell no. Right. And, and walk away from and understand, you know, a lot of times we keep people in our lives or employees or, or even students on campus when they're just sucking the energy because we're trying to help them. Yeah. And I'm going through this with, with, with my daughter now in, in her, her class or what she's doing in work. And I'm just like, listen, at the end of the day, they're taking your energy. The only person who can take your energy is you because you're letting it happen. So I've been very focused without realizing it that I almost never let anybody take my energy anymore. And I haven't for a long, long time. Yeah. And my energy belongs to me and my energy is my responsibility. And showing up when I, when I say I'm going to show up is my responsibility to show up with energy. And again, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, every time I'm with you guys, I hope I'm bringing that energy because I do whatever I need to do to compartmentalize, to bring, give the same energy I'm giving here that I do in front of 6,000 people or on a today show or in my business, yeah. and, but, oh, but you're in charge of your energy. No one else is. So passion you can have, you can be sitting there and go, I'm so passionate about what I do, but everybody gets in my way and, and it's just not fair. And I'm tired. And I, Oh, what did you have? I had three cheeseburgers. Okay. And I had a bag of French fries <laughs> and I had a Coke. Well, maybe that's why your energy level's not up. So your passion's there, but you don't, your energy won't allow you to move forward. Yeah. Well, um, I talked last week about focusing your energy on things you can control. And that's exactly what you're saying, right? Like I can't control all the people. I can't control all the goings on, but I can control me and I can control being in situations where it's sucking out my energy for things that are not important, or I don't want to get, like, I don't want to spend energy there. That is not a thing that I'm investing in. Well, it's going on now in, in the world where, you know, the numbers are coming back and we're getting concerned again and all that. And New York city just created a vaccination mandate that you have to be vaccinated before you go in the restaurant. Nobody wants that. No one wants to show a vaccination card. I don't want it. I hate it. I don't want to wear a mask. I hate it. However, in order to go forward, Okay, if that's going to get people vaccinated, and yesterday I was in Wayne Reed and all of a sudden I saw a line outside the door of people getting vaccinated. If that's going to get people to be vaccinated, I will be inconvenient, inconvenienced to, to make sure everybody's vaccinated so we can take our damn masks off and we can stop get, asking people for their vaccination cards. So I can have one or two ways of looking at that. I'm pissed off that people aren't getting vaccinated, whether it's your choice and it's affecting my life, but it's their choice so they should have the right to have a choice. So the government's like saying, yeah, you can have a choice, but you can't go or uh, you can't go to restaurants without or gym without getting vaccinated. OK, that's controversial. I'm not talking about whether it's right or wrong. What I'm talking about is wherever I fall on uh, on that line, I am not going to let that take away my energy. I am not going to get into arguments with people. You know, how many people like to lead on Facebook that 
oh, ask a question. Like, it's not political. And they go, they go crazy. Matter of fact, I posted something yesterday from the Today Show, and I think it was taken down from a website because I was on NBC, and I think people on that website were concerned that I was on NBC, and they took down the post. And so I was just like, okay, whatever. Like, I just decide not to argue with people and not to move on. I will argue with people I feel I will learn something from. I won't argue with people that are going to drain my energy. Like, people yeah. that go on Twitter and have Twitter wars, what are you doing? <laughs> I think Taylor Swift has a song about that, right? Um, <laughs> well, here's what I think is interesting about what you're saying. And as I was thinking about you today and thinking about this avoidant versus approach is that what you're saying is like, I'm not avoiding conflict with people. I'm approaching a good life. Like that's what I'm trying to do. Right. I want, if I'm happy to have conflict, if it's going to make my relationship better. I'm happy to have conflict if it's going to solve a problem, if we can get that out of the way so I can achieve my goals. I'm happy to have that kind of conflict because I'm pursuing a thing. And when conflict is an obstacle, then we got to have it so we can fix it. But having conflict as an avoidant, like I don't want to actually accomplish this thing. I'm walking away from it. I don't want to have conflict or conflict is just for the sake of conflict. I'm not actually pursuing anything. It's just stupid. Yeah. That's where you get exhausted. And so Somebody uh, said, I think it was a psychologist. I was uh, watching something and they said, people that use the words, it is what it is, are the most um, happy people. <laughs> because they understand exactly what those words mean. It is what it is. Nothing to be done about it. That's there's, what a it guy, is. there's a guy named Matt Holloway in the UFC that says it all the time. It is what it is. And when he loses, it is what it is. When he wins, it is what it is. And I and I say that a lot. I say those words a lot. It's like yeah. right now with the vaccine, it is what it is. It's um, if I swear up on someone, it is because I think I can learn or or, or you can learn from me. Right. Um, but 97% of the time, I'm not squaring up. I'm walking away and avoiding exactly. Wow, you're really good. That's exactly what I do. I avoid it. Again, I'm not avoiding success. I'm not avoiding an argument. I'm avoiding a waste of my time. Right. Right. Which I think is a really important um, caveat, right? Is like, I'm not afraid of it. It's just, that's not where I'm spending right. my time. People say, I'm going to give it 110%. No, you're not. You're going to give it 100%. <laughs> You only have 100%. So if right. I take my battery, right, in the morning when I wake up, I have 100% battery because I'm recharged most of the time. Okay? I'm going to give 30% to this. I'm going to give 30% to this. I'm going to give 30% to this. I'm going to give 10% to something else. That's all I got. Right. You know, Randy Zuckerberg, you can do a book, her book. You can only do three things well. You only got so much, and that's all you can do. So if you're doing seven things and you think you're doing it well, something is not going Suffering. well. Yeah. So yeah, I do a lot, but the things I do are within those silos of those three things. Yeah. So yeah. my business, that's one silo. My family is another silo and my physical and mental health is another silo. Those are the and, things I focus on. And poker. Four well, that's my physical and mental oh. health. <laughs> right? <laughs> Think about it. anything you mention, I can throw in one of those silos. Yeah. For sure. So, I mean, maybe that's a good action item for our listeners is to say, like, what are those three main things that you're focusing on um, and how can you invest in those? And I also am part of our conversation today is about what drives people, um, what is the motivator for them and 
um, there's a great book. It's, it's actually called Drive. Josh, our director of software development, just suggested this. Matt is in the middle of, of reading it, and I'm going to start pretty soon. But one thing that he says is the secret to motivation, to drive, is three things. Um, the first one is we want to be able to direct our lives. We want to be able to expand our abilities. And we want to be able to live with a purpose. And I love that because I think those three things, like I want to be in charge of me. I want to be able to master a thing. And also I want for the work I do to be really meaningful for me to, to make an impact. Um, and I just would challenge anybody who's thinking about the fall. If there's a place where you feel overwhelmed or you feel like, I don't know, I'm, I'm struggling at work or I have, I just have issues. I have stuff going on. I would walk through these three things and try to figure out what's being affected. Do you have autonomy? Can you direct your life? Can you decide what's best? Do you have the opportunity to get better at the things that you're doing and the things you're interested in? And then last, do you understand how you're living your life with purpose, how it's making an impact on other people, on students, on society. And my suspicion would be, if you're struggling, one of those three places, you'll be like, that's it. I'm not allowed to direct my life. I'm micromanaged. And the things that I want to do that I think are important, I have somebody who's telling me, no, you cannot do that. Or what I'm doing is not good work, right? It's not, I, I have no purpose. Um, or the, this idea that I'm so sick of doing the same things. I'm not getting better at anything because it's just over and over and over and over. I'm doing the same things. So, and I think that every person that's asking their team to come back to the office full-time five days a week, every week has got to read that paragraph you just put up there Yeah, because it says, do you, are you directing your life? Everything else is second to that question. Right. Are you directing your life? And if you're going in and you're taking a commute that you don't want to take and you know is not necessary, this is really important because if you're directing your life and you're like, I love my job and I know I can't do my job. I'm a nurse. I can't do my job without going to the hospital. And that is just part of it. And I'd rather not, but I have to. So I am directing my life because I want to be a nurse and I have to go into the office. But if you love, I don't know, say you love writing and you know you can do it at home and still report in do your zoom meetings maybe going once a week or even once every other week you know for a week on week off whatever every boss has got to understand does you do your employees feel like they're directing their life and most entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs for a reason i do what i do because i direct my life yeah and i was tired of making rich people richer and tell for dumb people telling me what to do <laughs> And there were some smart people telling me what to do, but there were a lot of dumb people telling me what to do. Yeah. That so, is a thing that, man, if you have been, I, I'm sure many of us have been in a position where you have somebody who's over you, who everything they tell you, you're like, that is not the right thing to do. It is a entirely frustrating experience. You're not a dumb boss. You're not working hard enough. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. One other thing that I want to talk about, and that is this idea of intrinsic motivation. So higher education friends, you know that the reason that we do this work, like I told you last week, is it's good work. 
We love sitting with our students. We love making um, an impact on them. And I would challenge you to think about the parts of your job that you would do even if people didn't pay you, right? The best jobs I've ever had are where I get a paycheck and I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe somebody is paying me for this. I would love doing this even if I weren't able to make a living at it. Like I would volunteer. That's my whole life. Yeah, I would volunteer to do these things. I think it would be so nice. So this quote, again, from the book Drive, people use rewards expecting to gain the benefit of increasing another person's motivation and behavior. But in so doing, they incur the unintentional and hidden cost of undermining the person's intrinsic motivation towards the activity. So sometimes when we attach um, a dollar amount what it does is take away my investment in this is good work, which is why I do it and make us focus more on the idea of how much are we getting paid? I don't no know. One, if- no one's ever worked harder and I will go on a record. No one's ever worked harder because they made more money. Yeah. Have you heard this um, study where a boss, so somebody's working overtime, a salaried employee is working overtime and the boss can either give them let's say $16 and say, Hey, thanks so much for your work or can buy them dinner. And what they found was when you give an employee $16, they feel cheapened by it because they're probably not doing it for that. Like my two hours of overtime is $16. Why would I work? Right. But if Matt brings me dinner and is like, Hey, thank you so much for your work. I want to make sure you have some food to eat. I feel cared for. 100%. 100%. And he has not cheapened my work. Like this work that I'm doing is not worth $16. It's worth way more than that because I believe in it. And I think it's important. And I've seen that so many times. I've seen that so many times. As a matter of fact, just recently, I can't remember what it was specifically, but someone said, Hey, what do you think, Anthony? Should I do this? Um, or should I um, do nothing? I said, well, you shouldn't give them that amount of money because they're going to be insulted and you shouldn't do nothing because they're going to feel ignored. I don't know, by I can't remember what it was, but it was something like this. And I was just like, just do something that lets them know you care. Right. I sent I sent a video right in the middle of everything that was going on with the Today Show and Dallas and other things going on in my career and in, in my family and everything. I sent a video. I don't remember where it was, but I knew I didn't have time for a really good text message or email. I was running and I literally turned the camera around, looked and told um, Suzanne, who works with me on projects, I looked in the camera, I took 30 seconds, told her how I felt, I sent it to her, literally. Yeah, and I also paid her extra to do the work <laughs> that she did. When I called her, to, to, when I sent her the video, she couldn't believe it, I, she, she was so nice, so nice, so nice, she called me up. And then I called her back, so, oh, by the way, I sent some money to your Venmo account, I'm paying you for that work too. And she was like, oh, all right, thank you. Like, she could care less. Right. Right. It wasn't five dollars. It was a good amount of money. And she was like, okay, thank you. I, I like, she didn't like, she did not get the same enthusiasm, right. you know, as when From I the money. little video than the money. And I was, I was and, and like, you know, and I was glad I sent the money, but she didn't want the money. That wasn't the point. That <laughs> she wasn't wanted the point. you to say she did a good job, which I think most of us are like that, right? We just want. And so, like I said, I'm going to be a lot more generous this coming year with telling people that they're doing a good job because it is such an impactful um, thing for them. I'm listening. Okay. Anthony, you do such a good job all the time. (laughs) 
Okay, so I want to talk about career values. I don't know if you know this, Anthony, but in my past life, I was a career counselor. So I talked to students about their careers. And then also, um, Ferris has sort of a partner company called Pathlight, where we help students figure out what they want their majors to be and their careers to be and that sort of thing. And a really big piece of this is career values. And I bring it up today because as you are guarding your passion and your energy, um, and as you are focusing your energy on things that you have control over, career values is a huge thing for you to be assessing for yourself because you can have, so when we talk about careers, we talk about personality, like how do you approach the world? And we talk about interests and we talk about your abilities and you can have the same set of personality, interests, and abilities, but depending on your career value, it will totally change your experience of work. So I want to give some examples of this. If we have a person who um, has the personality type where they are super detail oriented, where they're very orderly, they have the ability to create a spreadsheet, they can manipulate numbers, they're really interested in money and numbers, but they value stability and precision then if you are a good career counselor, you would say, this sounds like an accountant, right? We need you to be like in a stable, precise environment when you can do all these things. Okay. So if we keep all of those things the same, detail-oriented, orderly, create a spreadsheet, um, manipulate numbers, but now we change their values to independence and competition, if we put that person as an accountant, they will be very depressed because they're going to be like, I don't want to be in an office all day. I want to be out and competing and I want to have independence. So then we might think of something like um, a person who's a stockbroker or like on the trading floor or something like that. Right. So just changing those values, even if they're doing the same sort of thing, it's going to totally change what kind of job that they want to get into. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. I want to do one more. So here, I'm just going to tell you, this is a teacher. They love big ideas. They're flexible. They can write. They can listen. They like helping people. They value knowledge and intellectual status. And then we have another teacher who has all of the same things, but their value are creative expression and fun and humor. And you guys have been in a classroom with this teacher who values creative expression, fun and humor, and a teacher who values knowledge and intellectual status. And those are two completely different experiences, right? So values is really good. the question of like so probably this would be like a science teacher or a math teacher and then you might have like a theater teacher who is interested in that creative expression right and fun and humor so yeah but usually and again i'm talking out of school here because i don't know but usually isn't the first teacher a little bit less exciting and a little bit more where they don't get the best reviews because because I think you can value those things, but at the end of the day, I think fun and energy is really what everybody needs to bring to the table. Because you can Absolutely. value your, your your status as a as an intellect, um, but you know if you take yourself seriously about, it, you can value it, you can want it, and you can really want it bad. You can have seven PhDs but you can still not take yourself seriously. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the teachers that we find most memorable are the ones that make learning fun and they're not just standing up and lecturing, right? The whole time. Not what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you guys, I have been thinking about how do we move towards what we want, more of what we want. And part of career values is identifying 
what's going on in your environment that you want more of. So um, I do this all the time. It's called a values card sort where I have a list of like 72 career values and you go through and you can sort it and say, these are the most important things. These are the least important things. So mine are like knowledge and curiosity. I want change and variety. I want creativity. I want independence. I want to make decisions. I want work-life balance. Those are the things that are most important to me. And I can tell you when I have a day where I feel stressed out or overwhelmed, one of those values is being threatened. Somebody keeps putting stuff on my calendar when I thought I was going to have a free day. And so I am, my independence is being threatened and my work-life balance is being threatened. Those are the things that make me crazy. And what we have to do is create our lives. So we have more support of the values that we love and protect those values so that we are able to leave a happy, settled life. Um, my never valued things are structure and predictability, tradition, stability, physical challenge, and precision work. And when I write down, like, these are the things I never value. My husband, who's an accountant is like, those are my top five things that I always want. (laughs) Who would want any of this stuff? He's like, I love those things. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. Well, Uh, come on. Anybody knows you knows that that's pretty easy. Yeah. So I would say the action items for you guys are, first of all, can you write down what you are chasing after what the cheese is for you? What is the reward? Like you got into this business. Why? And if that is sitting with students or that is hearing from them that you've been helpful to them or explaining a complex problem that then they can go on and, and be successful in a class. What is the thing that you are chasing after and the reward for your work? And I don't know, Anthony, do you, could you articulate that for you? Like the, whatever the, whatever the work is that you're doing, do you know, like the ultimate reward for that work? Do you know? Um, that people value what I have to say is my ultimate reward. So I better say, be careful what I say. And I better mean what I say. And I better mm. think about what I say. So um, I don't like disappointing people. So if I show up and I do a good job, um, that's what I value. That I know I didn't take advantage of someone. I didn't get paid more than I should have. Um, you know, there's events sometimes I get paid like money I never thought I would ever get paid in my life. So there's there's an insecurity of wow, like I'm getting how much money for one hour's worth of work? Yeah, a lot of people don't make that in a year, and I have a very uh, a big insecurity about making sure that I value my work. I value that opportunity and I give as much as I can to that opportunity. And as long as that person says, thank you, we're happy. I'm good. And that's kind of how I find value in what I do. Yeah. It's a very I can, simple equation to me. Yeah. I can see that, that for you, it's like, did I show up and do what you wanted plus plus some, right? That's and then good. if I've done that, then I feel really good about it. And, and, and I want to make you happy. What did I, somebody just said I was somewhere. I was in Dallas and there's a gentleman who's going to be on my podcast. He's actually now the interim president of Red Roof Inns. Oh. And he hired me to do my first keynote eight years ago. And he says, hey, Anthony, I was the lawyer on the contract. I was working with you and your you know, agent and the lawyer. And, and I didn't know that because I didn't really meet with that guy. And, and he goes, I was the lawyer. And then at the end of the... Um, 
uh, keynote, you came over to me and the words you asked me, I will never, he just said this to me last week, I'll never forget. And I said, what did I say? Because you never, you know, maybe it's something <laughs> you didn't like. And he said, what did I say? And he said, once I introduced myself, he said, I was the attorney that worked on it. You look at me and go, are you happy? He goes, I'll yeah. never forget those words. Yeah. That's you ask me, are you happy? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and that, so that's what I value. Are they happy? And did I do a good job? Did you do? Yeah. I think I, if I had to say my ultimate value, it's do people feel empowered? So if you walk away from an engagement with me and you feel better about yourself, better about a situation, if you feel empowered, I feel like I've done a very good job. Right. That's kind of a it's important for me people to learn something from me. If, if, yeah. if, if I'm in the position, like if people are asking me, like I have to do something Friday and I have to do something next week for a very big brand company. And I'm nervous about it because I don't know. These are <laughs> these are people that went to Ivy League school and a lot smarter than I am. And I'm supposed to do things and say things to, you know, help them get to the next level of their career. And, you know, I'm nervous about it because I don't want to fall flat on my face and call it in. So yeah. listen, pride in your work um, is, is, is essential. Um, if you're, you know, I, I was talking to my daughter about bus drivers. She goes, I would never be a bus driver. I go, I would never be one. I couldn't be one. I would fall asleep. I just cannot drive <laughs> that long and deal with passengers and everything else to deal with and all this stuff in New York city and uh, bicycles. And I said, but I know some bus drivers, friends of mine that, love it and value like when they say i haven't had an accident in 10 years like not even a fender bender it's like yeah. like that's their heisman trophy right and they're empowered and driven not because they're making a paycheck but because they've found value in that they that is how they feel like they're being successful which i think is awesome that's their goal their goal is and they get more money if they go like certain years or whatever but their goal is like, I want to be the best bus driver I can be. And isn't yeah. that really what, you know, it's, it's, it's all about is, and I think that's what the pandemic's doing for everyone. Clarifying. For a lot of people, it's clarifying, getting back to what you said, do I have flexibility and do I have control over my destiny? I think that's that whole big, uh, what's happening now with employees. They don't want to go back. Uh, we, hospitality industry is in bad, bad, bad shape because we can't find people. Um, and now we're just literally, somebody said, Anthony, I am putting a warm body in every position because I'm in crisis mode. And this is a person that believes in service. And like Anthony, our skirt service scores went down 30%. And he goes, right now, I can't care about that. Yeah. I got to keep the lights on. Wow. So, so, so that is, it is very, very serious that we make sure that people feel, even if they work for us as a housekeeper, a dishwasher, that they somehow can direct their life. Yeah, that's right. And I think moving forward, so for people in higher education, saying this is the reward, this is why I picked this job, saying these are the values that are important to me, and then crafting your day and your week and your semester to try to create more of that, because there are things that you can be in charge of. I said, you know, for me, because I like independence and I like um, freedom, I block off Thursday afternoon and Friday. And so nobody's allowed to put anything on my calendar on those days. And those are days I take to think or to work on my projects or to, so trying to figure out these are the things that make me happy that I want to push towards this semester because 
The thing is, Anthony, we have been stuck in avoidance for a year and a half. Like, don't do this. Don't do this. Be afraid of this. We're worried about this. We're worried about this. And that is stressful and exhausting. And I'm just trying to encourage people to identify things that give them passion and joy and energy and say, this is how I'm going to set up my day and my time to try to protect those precious things. Because when your values are stepped on or when you miss out on the reward that you like, I love being with students. We haven't been able to do that. When I miss out on that reward, that's when we start talking about burnout and feeling overwhelmed and frustrated. Hey, yeah, burnout <laughs> isn't being tired. What I learned by, I read that book, maybe second edition or third edition. I read that book at the Air Force because when I came out, because I was in college, I got my yeah. degree at night in three and a half years. I was in the Air Force four years, won a lot of awards, and I worked um, almost a full time job in the hotel business. I was burnt out and I thought it was depression. I thought it was tiredness. I thought I had a health problem. Yeah. And it was simply that I didn't care about anything. It, it was, I was, I just didn't care. Yeah. So I wasn't exhausted. I just, I just didn't care anymore. I didn't yeah. have any energy for anything. Yeah. It's, it's what we were talking about months ago, languishing, mm -hmm. right? Where you're just like, I'm just hanging out here, but I don't have the energy that I need. Right. So but you know what? I also think that, you need that. I think there's got to be a certain time where you just like settle down. Care? Nope. You want to go anywhere? <laughs> nope. Are you pissed off? Nope. Are you depressed? Nope. I'm I'll just languishing right now. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just, I'm going to eat, I'm going to hang out, and just don't expect very much of me. Yeah. I think that that's okay. I agree. You don't have to be on vacation having a good time. You don't have to be meditating. You can just be sitting in the corner going. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> That's okay. We will give you some allowance for that. It's understandable. Yeah. Um, so you guys, please write down the reward of your job. Please write down your values. And then please think about how you are going to build your work to support those things, because I think it's going to help you have a better semester and it's going to help you show up for your students. You remember we were talking about emotional um, exhaustion. Like it's just hard to care about all the things all the time. And so we have to be very, very intentional about protecting ourselves, Anthony, like you said, and being able to build in places where we are getting our energy back and we're being rejuvenated. So those are your action items. And I think people, and again, I have no qualification to say this other than just my instinct, that people coming back to school are going to want to be taken care of more than they want to learn. And Huh. They learn 20% less this semester than most of your students, but they feel 20% more cared for. They'll get the same grade they would have gotten if they, if they learned less because they would, when they, they are down and they are maybe a little concerned about the work, they'll feel cared for and they'll, and they'll ask questions. Um, we can't go into, um, and I'm, I'm actually consulting with a big company right now because I think they're doing everything wrong. And because that's what I'm hearing from their um, employees and I'm like, you're again, I'm going to use your that that paragraph. It's like you're not letting them control their life. You're yeah. taking that away. So everything else they hear is potato chips. Somebody right. chews potato chips. It's all they hear. You've got to allow them to control their life. The students, the same thing. We've got to allow them to come back. That makes them feel good. Now, I'm not a person that thinks the students always right or the customers always right or you know, we have to be, I think we have to be sensitive, but I think there's, there's a level of sensitivity that, that gets in our way. Um, but we do have to care and we do have to listen, 
Um, and we have a responsibility to hold people accountable. But if they don't feel like they're in charge, yeah, this story I'll tell you next time. Just remind me about Julia Childs and Craig Kaminiak. Okay, sorry, I'm like kind of taking a little journey in my brain because I think what you said is genius about students need to feel cared for instead of learning. And so I, I mean, that's maybe a whole podcast on its own because we sort of have an emergency, like a like an a current crisis. We yeah, we have, to, we, we have to do this because we have to get these marks. So the principal thinks we're smart. Yeah. And I just wonder, I know our people go into higher education because they care about students and they want to care for them. And so even just changing your job in your brain for like, yes, we have to deliver these things, of course. But maybe if I frame my job as I just need to care for these students, that feels different. You know what, but it comes down to the leadership. I have, I have a friend that just took a PhD. She just took over um, a new position and she wrote the president a letter and she shared it with me. And the letter was just a couple of days ago. The letter was, I have never felt more cared for. I have never had a better introduction to a university. And she's worked for some pretty high powered universities. This is a much smaller, much less known university. And she said, that your onboarding process is second to none. Wow. You came to the orientation with your team and you listened and you spent time. You didn't like, okay, that's a check mark off my checklist and you had off my day and I have to go. She literally like, I don't know if she wept, but it sounded like she was weeping when she spoke to me. Yeah. She truly felt cared for. And now she may not have learned everything about the university. I don't know. She may not have had high expectations or like the standards are this and we're going to be the best. She just knows that that team cares for her and you don't need to tell her to be the best. She, that's who she is. She got a PhD. You'll, yeah. get, you'll get a PhD by calling it in. Yeah. <laughs> very true. That is very true. I think that's great. I think we need to just be focused on that care piece. That's good. Um, okay. Well, you've wasted another hour with me, Anthony. Thanks. It is not wasted. I've learned more than I've ever given to you. Oh, well, I appreciate us being able to just have good conversation. It's always a joy. Um, on the 17th, we are starting our fall series, which is about, um, I think the next slide is just all of the conditions for did, students. Did you, put that, did you put that slide back up? I got it. I have a person I'm sending this to. Yeah. This is uh, Dr. Tinto, who is our uh, father of retention. And I think I said the other day, like all of his access was about equality and saying, if you're going to let students in, that's great, but you have to also have a plan for how you're going to support them. Otherwise you're just saddling them with debt and not a degree. So you guys join us August 17th. We're going to start that. And I have got my major problem that I got to figure out before the next time we meet Anthony is where I'm going to find some more questions. Rachel and your team. They're, matter of fact, say, I'm not going to ask any questions to Anthony. You guys got to come up with it. Okay, I'll do it. We'll see how good their brains are. But the, Ooh, the problem like is- You're doubting them. You're like, we'll see how good their brains well, are. Well, I know how hard it is because I've had to think of 400 so questions. Rachel, did you think that maybe they're smarter than you are? I mean, they are smarter than me. So I'll <laughs> be like, why was that so hard for you? <laughs> All right, friends. Good to see you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. And we will see you next week. Bye.